Buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Time now for Rocky Jordan, brought to you by Del Monte Foods, the brand preferred by more women than any other line of canned fruits and vegetables in the world. Far from the Musk Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Cafe Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against the backdrop of antiquity. Del Monte presents Rocky Jordan, and this week's story, The Man with No Name. night, around 11 or so, and business was about as slow as a camel in a headwind. Few people were scattered through the tambourine, but none of them was making much of a noise in the register. It was the man on table six, however, who caught my eye. He'd ordered a bottle of gin and a pitcher of tonic, and was doing his own mixing and enjoying what he made. He was a big man, stocky, with a bush of gray hair and a pair of sharp blue eyes. His skin was bronze and tough, and he figured he'd spend a lot of time outdoors. When his hand started fumbling through his pockets looking for a match, I stepped up to his table and offered him a light. Hmm? Oh, thank you. Yeah, a second, I'll get you a book of matches. No, no, it's not necessary right now. You're the uh, proprietor of this place, aren't you? That's right. Jordan's the name, Rocky Jordan. Well, I'm very pleased to meet you, Mr. Jordan. I've enjoyed this hour or so here very much. Uh, won't you join me? Oh, fine, I'd like to. Hey, hey. Gin and tonic? No, I'll pass if it's all the same to you. Certainly. <laughs> Through the evening, you must get many offers. I like your place, Mr. Jordan. I like it very much. Most of all, I like the fact that you and your help leave the customer alone. This is something that other restaurants and cocktail lounges could well emulate. To leave alone is an attribute lost by our civilization. Uh, perhaps you'll come back soon. Perhaps, perhaps, Mr. Jordan. I... I plan to leave the continent in a day or so, but I hope one day to come back to Africa. One day soon, Mr. Jordan. Africa has much for me. Oh, have you been in the interior? I have. Matter of fact, that's where I've spent most of the last few years. Wonderful years, Mr. Jordan. Primitive land with primitive peoples, but they both, both meant a great deal to me. There's a lot of people feel that way, Mr. Uh... Have you ever been on an elephant hunt, Mr. Jordan? Yes. Then you know how thrilling an experience it can be. Marvelous, marvelous beasts, elephant. Had an exciting time. Mr. Jordan. Hmm? You're an American, aren't you? I am. American in business in Cairo. Boston wasn't right for you, nor Seattle, or New Orleans, or Chicago. Turned your back on your past and came to Egypt for reasons which are your own concern, of course. Mind you, I, I'm not prying. What are you doing? What am I doing, indeed? <laughs> Perhaps I'm trying to find a justification for something I once did. 
And now, look, Mr. Uh, I can't say I'm not a happy man. I am. I, I am happy. I'm contented. For the past few years, I've lived the kind of life I've wanted, and not many people can say that, can they? Well, one last swallow. Thank you, Mr. Jordan. Thank you for a fine evening, for the fine cafe, for... Broadway's my beat. From Times Square to Columbus Circle, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway's my beat with Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. Like a dream of concrete and steel and twisted faces, where the vision of beauty stands in a doorway at the end of night. And you go looking for it, and you're stopped by a guy selling the latest coast car or a sightseeing tour to enjoy And you keep looking. Then the same guy stops you and lays you off, you'll never make it. You never do. It's Broadway, my beat. A cop doesn't have to go looking for death. They call you in on it. My call was a greasy brownstone building that crouched on maybe half a block where Harlan reaches up for Central Park. Its walls were covered with withered ivy and its windows were barred with iron, not withered. On a soot-covered sign, you could make out a restful-sounding name. Primrose Sanitarium, rest home for... for what you couldn't make out. And then a door was unlocked. And a man stood in front of you in a stark white jacket with his hands folded like ice prongs that hung from his narrow shoulders. It's after visiting hours, chum. I was invited. Danny Clover, Broadway special detail. Oh, we've been waiting for you. Waiting with bated breath, chum. Come on in, chum. You're the friendly type, huh? Oh, yes. All the chums in our little institution find me gentle and friendly. Right down this hall. The chums? Who are they? Sick people. Lost people. You know how it is. Do I? Of course you do. You're a policeman. That settles it. And you? What are you? Male nurse named Horace Vesper. Assistant to physician Ellery. Him and me, we're the administering angels of Primrose Sanitarium. Angels? Mm-hmm, chum. Here we are. Ah, who is it, Horace? One of the patients giving us trouble? No, physician. They're all asleep like suckling babes. This is the detective who answered the call we made. Oh. How do you do, sir? I'm Dr. William Ellery. Well, I can see you're astonished at the state my laboratory's in. But we've had a disorder here, as you see. Uh, a bourbon, sir? On the phone, you said a man was dead. Where is he? Oh, there on my operating table. Show the detective, Horace. Sure, physician. Over here, chum. See how it is, Mr. Clover? Yeah. Who was he? One of your patients? Innocent. Innocent. You can talk plainer than... Open gun. I figured that maybe I ought to run over to the station and tell Captain Sabai about the things I had in my mind. 
Come in, Jordan. Come in. Oh, thanks, Sam. Sit down, Jordan. Hmm? And to what do I owe this unexpected visit? Just curiosity, Sam. Hand this little item in the paper. Oh. And the one in the lower left-hand corner. Ten. Oh, the man who had been shot in the face with an elephant gun. Hmm. Who is he, Sam? We have not been able to identify him. Seems to be a lot of mystery about it. Jordan, what do you know of this? Oh, very little. A man came into my cafe a few days ago, drank a lot of gin and tonic, talked about an elephant hunt, a lot of other things. An what? elephant hunt, you say, Jordan? Hmm. A moment, please. I would like you to look at something. Ah, here it is. Now, study these photographs for a moment, Jordan. They are of the man we took out of the Nile. Is he the one you speak about, the one who was in your cafe? Whoever shot him didn't leave much face for identification. Quite purposefully, in my opinion. Looks about the right size. Clothes are the same. Very tan skin, Sam? Yes. Gray hair? Gray hair. Ah, he's the one, all right. He's the gin and tonic man. Oh, what's this photograph, Sam? Oh, that is a close-up of the inner portion of his right arm. Observe the tattooing. Can't miss it. Now, tattooing, of course, is quite common in the East, but not the tattooing of numbers. 11 dash, 24 dash, 42. 11, 24, 42. What does that mean to you? Nothing. <clears throat> Jordan, when a foreign national is murdered in Cairo, quite naturally, I am under extreme pressure from my superiors, who, in turn, are under pressure from the foreign embassy involved, whatever it may be. Now, Jordan, I must apprehend the murderer. Yes, Sam, I know that. Now, you will be so good as to relate to me in detail the exact happenings the night this, this man with no name... Three is a jewel, a dream, a work of art. It gave me even Branch's business, Trader. His address, 12 Gramercy Park South. And his telephone number... What I needed, I couldn't get by dialing, so I called on Eben Branch, trader, 12 Gramercy Park South. From the police, eh? Avail yourself of a bamboo fan, my boy. The rain is made more humid, I think. The place of Eben Branch was a fragment torn out of a tropical paradise and enclosed in double panel glass. Even to the white cargo-type rain pouring down in the space between the glass walls from a contraption bearing the seal of approval of the New York City engineers. Tropical birds played tropical games and sang sad songs in huge cages of gilded bamboo. And sitting in a fan-shaped wicker chair was Eben Branch, wearing yellowed linen, his hands touching the head of a girl, a silent girl in a jade sarong who strummed a tropical-type guitar. You'll find it pleasant here, Mr. Clover, far from the terrors of that jungle out there. You'll stay for a bit? I may never leave. Splendid. You're a man of quality, sir. I knew it the moment I saw you. I said as much to the girl here. Didn't I, girl? And uh, now what can I do for you, sir? You could wake me up. Oh, it's no dream, Mr. Clover. All this was bought at a good price. A few souls, a few deaths, and a fantastic hoard of pearls. Oh, the South Seas. A veritable paradise, boy. Veritable. Wouldn't it have been simpler to leave paradise where it belonged? I only asked because I wouldn't know. You mean go back? Uh huh. Impossible. Oh? Of course, impossible. The moment I set foot on that island of honor, I should be gutted by the native I stole the pearls from. 
<laughs> Didn't you tell you, Mr. Clover, that was 30 years ago, not your domain? What concerns me is a man named Eugene Bullock. Eugene Bullock? Do you know where he is? I asked you first. Well, the Simpleton had an appointment with me last night at midnight. Midnight? His wife said he was to meet you at 7. Men lie to their wives. As I say, Mr. Clover, midnight is the hour at which I find myself most amenable to the conduct of business. Till then, I have uh, other matters. In the phone book, it says you're a trader. Is that a business? Trader? The word I use to make me glamorous and unreal. Hmm? Sir, I insert my advertising matter to attract suckers. I sell pearls, Mr. Clover, for cash. I see. Only cash. Mr. Bullock wanted pearls. I was prepared to sell him $5,000 worth. Did you? That's the tragedy, Mr. Clover. Simpleton never showed up. I need $5,000 desperately. Paradise comes high, Mr. Clover. And so, as the sun sank slowly in the west, I bade a fond farewell to the land of palmettos and jasmine and exiled beach boys. Grant had told me was true. The pattern of Mr. Bullock's life needed completing. His last five hours of living. What happened to Mr. Bullock last night between seven and midnight? People have died during those hours, but why Mr. Bullock? And there's an extra added question. What happened to the $5,000 he had on his person? By the time I got back to headquarters, the description of Mr. Eugene Bullock had been circulated all over the area. Hiya, Danny. How's it going? Oh, hello, Marty. Okay. How's the cab business? As the saying goes, eh. What do you need? I think I got something. Look, the little guy that, uh, Eugene Bullock. Yeah? Maybe he was in my cab last night about 7 o'clock. We had some pictures taken downstairs, Marty. Here. Look. That him? Yeah. Looks calmer, but, yeah, that's him. Last night, he looked more excited. Like how? Like so. He gets in a cab and he says, close around. I close. Mm-hmm. Through the rearview mirror, I see he's got the same expression like a kid writing with chalk on a wall, you know? So I asked the question, and he says, yeah. Where'd you take him? Oh, wasted a village and a spot I know in Chinatown, places like that. Nothing suits this guy, nothing. Then we hit a dime a dance dive off 105th Street. This he goes wild about. He loves it. He pays me and he leaves. Uh, is that what you want, then? <laughs> No, whatever it is, no. If that's how we say no in Spanish. Por favor. Look, who's around here? I can tell I'm from the police. Adios, senor. Adios. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What frightened you about the word police, senorita? Get away. Get away from me. Oh, how's in English, huh? You learn fast. Let's go, senorita. Let's go where we can talk without background music. Take off, we're chatting. We're having an intimate flight conversation. I am intruding. Sanchez. Intruding's the word. Beat it. We do something about your mouth. <laughs> you tried, friends. You really did. What do you know? Man gets knocked down in the fight. Nobody pays any attention. This what happened last night, Rosa? This what happened last night? Music happened last night with maracas, Latin music. When we were interrupted, I was saying, let's go. Let's go. Wait. All right. 
Last night I was dancing with a sailor, a pretty sailor boy from Peru. And then a man was stabbed. The man died. Oh, bad. Somebody sees blood, somebody screams. Everybody runs out. There's even the pretty sailor boy. The wounded man is lying on the floor. Stabbed, but not dead. Then what? Sanchez helped me to lift him to my automobile. I drove him a little way to a sanitarium where the doctor. I left him. Why did you take the trouble? Why didn't you run, too? I felt sorry for the little man lying there. Oh? How about $5,000, officer? The little man had that much with him when he came here. He didn't have it later. Senor, I have never seen $5,000 in my life. Is that the truth, Rosa? Is that a, the truth? But you want me anyhow, don't you? I am arrested, yes? She was arrested, yes. And booked, yes. And Sanchez, her admirer, thief, also. It was simple and it was fast. I had the victim, the motive, and two grade A suspects. I told the boys in the press room the solution of the murder of Eugene Bullock was only a matter of hours. Simple routine, I told them. I've never been so wrong in all my life. to Broadway's My Beat, starring Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. Broadway is the name of a street, and it's a world apart. It's a world that explodes every 24 hours, then starts all over again. The faces might be different, but the expressions are the same. The current population and a current crime to consider. And I had promised them a killer. The killer of Eugene Bullock, an alien from Iowa. But I wasn't keeping my word. Grade A suspect Rosa was being uncooperative. She said she didn't have anything to do with the killer. Somebody else at the dance hall must have done it. So I gave her a chance to tell me who. The chance was the police lineup. Well, they're ready out there, Danny. Twelve guys who could have been at the dance hall at the time of the stabbing. Thanks, Tartaglia. This is what we call a police lineup, Rosa. Rosa? Yes? The lights are so arranged that we can see those twelve men and they can't see us. You can say what you like and the men won't know we're speaking. I see. Well, Jonah, the Zulu, let me keep my arm and left. The next incident didn't happen until some hours later. After the supper rush, I went for a walk in the Cairo night. One, to get some fresh air. Two, to do some thinking about the affair of the man with no name. I was moving down the Sharia Muhammad Ali when a street peddler came up from behind. Hey, highest quality type water for sale at most reasonable prices. The good Effendi wishes to purchase from noble water seller some of the same. No, no thanks. Oh, do not rush off yet, good Effendi. Observe the good, clean, clear water. Observe the cool, comforting water. Look, I'm not thirsty. Observe, same and listen, Jordan Bay. Huh? Jordan Bay, is it not? It is. You are wanted. By whom? A lady of your kind. Even at this moment at an address in Cairo, an American lady waits for you. With a candle in the window? What's her name? Gloria Hennessy, she is called. Gloria Hen... The address... 
742 Shariel Orkar. Thanks. I have done her bidding. Assalamu alaikum. Waterfall sale. He slid off into the dark and left me thinking about Gloria Hennessy. 742 Shariel Orkar, he'd said. Well, it was worth a try. Ten minutes later, a cab dropped me off in front of a small hotel just outside the Bab El Nasser gate. Gloria Hennessy's apartment was second floor front. I rapped on the door. A moment later, it came open. I was looking full into the face of a brown-eyed blonde who had got her hair color out of a bottle. She was loaded down with Emir, and the clothes she was wearing wouldn't have passed inspection for a sultan's dancing girl. I've been waiting for you, Mr. Jordan. Hey, you should have let me know sooner. Come in, please. Yeah. This divan will be fine. Oh, thank you. Drink? No, thanks. Do you mind if I... No, go right ahead. I... I wonder if you know who I am. My name's Gloria Hennessy. Miss... What I meant was, I wonder if you know more than my name. You're from New York. Four days ago, you received a phone call from Cairo, from Gerald Craven. That suitcase in the corner still got the TWA tag on it, so it figures you flew here in a big hurry. Yes, that's right. Just to see me? In a way, yes. A few nights ago, a man came into your cafe. Big, heavy set, drank gin and tonic. Yeah, a lot of people are interested in him. I know. Even the police. Yes, I read about that, too. It's a shame. If I'd been able to see him, I wouldn't have had to bother you like this. Well, so far, it's been no bother. All I want you to do, Mr. Jordan, is tell me who that man was. Don't you think you ought to get Craven in here before we take this any further? What? The cigarette in the ashtray hasn't got any lipstick on it. You wipe yours off before you smoke. All right. It's Craven. It's Craven. You may as well come in. Good evening, Jordan. Hi. We thought it'd be better if I spoke to you alone. I already told Craven I didn't know who that man was. That was four days ago. And you think I may know now? Yes. Why don't you ask the police? They don't know. The police figure he was shot in the face on purpose with a big gun so he couldn't be identified. What's so important about that man? Why all the questions about his identity? Mr. Jordan, I am willing to pay you $1,000 if you tell me who that man was. Mm, a lot of dough for the name of a dead man. I have the money right here in my purse. You can leave with it. I could make up a name. You could. Sorry, lady. I'd be happy to take your money, but I don't know who that man was. Well, then, I suppose that's that. You are my last hope, Mr. Jordan. I really thought you might know. Suppose I'll have to go back to New York without knowing. Well, if that's all we've got to talk about, I'll run along now. Thank you very much for trying to help me. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, Miss Hennessy. Yes? There was a tattoo on the dead man's arm. Numbers. Oh? 11, 24, 42. That mean anything? I don't know. A date, maybe. An American would mark a date like that. His protest against the world, I suppose. The kind of world he's made for himself... Uh, anyone outside of it is an enemy. Now you're going to keep things locked up, huh? I'll see to it. But it's Horace's job. He should know better. Horace. Now, 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 lie still, Lieutenant. You've lost a lot of blood. You're weak. I am. Looks like a flesh wound to me. Ah, it's worse than that. You'll be better, though. After you've had a transfusion and some rest. A whole lot of rest. I'm weak, huh? I can sit up. See? It hurts. I can do it. Oh, don't be a fool, Lieutenant. Lie down. You'll only aggravate your condition. Yeah. 
We mustn't aggravate conditions. Oh, the transfusion, Lieutenant. It won't hurt a bit. We'll just stab your arm with alcohol. Ah. And now, I'll get these things ready. My blood type's A, Doctor. Yes, yes, I know. I ran a test on it while you were asleep. We mustn't make a mistake. Give me a transfusion of type B blood. Because that wouldn't make me well. That would kill me. The way it killed Mr. Bullock. I, I beg your pardon. You didn't give Bullock a transfusion to save his life. You gave him a transfusion to kill him. Oh, poor, poor fellow. Delirious. You killed Horace, too. Sedative in his bourbon, I figured. Then you gave him a transfusion of B blood while you took A blood out of him. Cute. You wanted all Mr. Bullock's funny yourself. Like this greedy doctor. Now, Lieutenant. Oh, remember your Hippocratic oath, doctor. You need that transfusion, Lieutenant. Put down that needle. You're delirious. You have to be quiet. Put down now. that needle. You have got to be quiet, sir. Here's some quieting for you. You just rest right there, doctor. That's the way it ended, the part of it that I knew about. I had to be told the rest. That the police found the doctor in the corner of the laboratory gibbering to a bottle of bourbon. That I fought them all the way to the emergency ward, and that nobody in medical history protested the way I did. All they wanted to do, they said, was give me a transfusion. Tearing itself apart. It's drinks on the house and have another one, Joe. And hey, mister, I can really show you the sight. The frenzy and the big noise. Mostly it's the big noise. Otherwise, you'd hear the heartbreak. Because it's Broadway, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway, my feet. Arranging for air passage on TWA for New York City. He wished to arrive in the United States before some holiday. What holiday? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving? 
What day does it come on this year? I believe he said the uh, 24th. 24th of November. Yeah, 11, 24, 49. Oh, the tattooing said... 11, 24, 42. Yeah, seven years difference. Seven years. What does it mean, Mr. Jordan? I know one thing it could mean. Come on. Well, where are we going? Put in a claim for $1,000. And incidentally, find an answer to this mess of a man with no name. Jonah and I took out fast, like the super chief on a downgrade, retracing my steps down the Ibrahim Pasha across to the Shariel Rokar. The hotel I was looking for was easy to find because I'd been there once before. So was the apartment, second floor front. When I rapped on the door, it was opened by the same one who'd opened it for me before. And a moment later, Jonah and I were inside, and Gloria Hennessy was looking at me kind of funny. Mr. Jordan. The same. Oh, uh, this is Jonah, a friend of mine, I think. How do you do? How do you do? Why did you come back, Mr. Jordan? Oh, maybe to earn that $1,000. Jonah was a close friend of the man who was killed. I see. He knows who he was? No. I'm afraid I don't understand. Uh, you will. Please get to the point, Mr. Jordan. Mr. Craven and I are leaving Cairo soon. I want to ask you one question, Miss Hennessy. What is it? That's it. That's what? That's the question. Is it Miss Hennessy or... Mrs. Hennessy. I don't see what that's got to do... I haven't do... heard your answer yet. Maybe I don't think I ought to answer it. Huh? You don't have to. Where are you going? Your purse here on the table. You leave that alone. Sure, after I find what I want. Yeah, here. Driver's license, this'll do. Mrs. Gloria Hennessy. Submitted by a special investigator, Johnny Dollar, to the State Unity Life Insurance Company, New York City office. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of... The Lone Wolf Matter. Expense account item one. Well, as long as Mr. Morgan is supposed to be such a generous soul, call it $30 even for the plane to Newark and cab to the brokerage office on North Commerce. Mr. Morgan turned out to be a friendly, distinguished, prosperous-looking man of about 50. They also looked more than just a little worried. Uh, sit down, Mr. Dollar. Sit down, please. All right, Mr. Morgan. Thanks. Uh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm the one to say thanks. I mean, to you for coming here. Strictly speaking, this is not an insurance matter. But to tell you the truth, you're the only one I know of who might be able to help me in this situation. Now, why is that, sir? Well, I, I, I mean, help me with a proper regard for its confidential aspects. You see, I, I haven't dared to contact the police about this matter, not even the authorities down there in Philadelphia. Now, why Philadelphia? Well, that's where the letter came from. What letter is that, Mr. Long? You see, if the facts were to become public knowledge, well, it could mean only one thing. Complete and utter ruin. Not only for me, I, I don't care about that, but for my family, my wife and two splendid young sons. I suppose you tell me what it's all about, sir. But I must be sure, absolutely sure, that I can depend on you to to keep this completely confidential. Believe me, I'll pay you well for it. Very well. Just go ahead, sir. All right. Here. Read it for yourself. Okay. Dear Thomas, or should I say Danny Fairland? Danny Fairland? That was a name that I, I used when I was younger, and I... Uh, but, but read on, please. All right. You may be surprised to hear from me after all this time... 
That doesn't mean I haven't kept, kept myself well informed about you. Ever since that day some years ago, when our little investment scheme took a sizable sum of money from a handful of gullible suckers, you've done well, Thomas. I'm sure your share of the money is what started you so nicely in your present business. Is that true, Mr. Morgan? Just, just read on, please. All right. However, I was somewhat, somewhat less fortunate. And especially recently, things have gone very badly for me. But I am certain you will be only too glad to help me out. Let us say for the sake of our old friendship. And because so far I have never revealed the details of our illicit enterprise to the authorities or anyone else. After all, I fully realize that such a revelation, just what such a revelation might do to you, my friend, to your business, and of course, your nice family. Now, in view of your being in a position to help me, what I suggest you do is this. Make a couple of withdrawals from your bank account in cash until you have, say, uh, $10,000 on hand. For a man of your means, this shouldn't be too difficult or take very long. I'll contact you as to where and when you may deliver this money to me. Without not blackmail. Read on, sir. One other thing, being a man, man of, of conscience, conscience and having... Having been always afraid that sometime I might die without opportunity to get a crime off my conscience, I have carefully written it out in all detail, including, of course, your part in it. I have given this to a friend in a sealed envelope. Needless to say, should anything happen to me, any uh, trouble of any kind, this friend would immediately turn it over to the newspapers. Do you see... Thomas, I shall call you shortly, there at your office, rather than needlessly bother your fine family, family your, your old friend, H.B.W. That's very neat, Mr. Morgan. Neat, Mr. Dollar. And just who is H.B.W.? His name is Henry B. Wolfe. And this crime he talks about? A most reprehensible stock swindle. But I was young and inexperienced when he proposed it to me. It... It simply looked to me like an easy way to accumulate money enough to start this business. And I thought without hurting anyone. But it was wrong, and we took thousands from innocent people. Then aren't your skirts just as dirty as his, Mr. Morgan? Well, no, not, not quite, Mr. Dollar. Well, I mean, except for this blackmail bit. No, no. Because at the time, I kept a list of all the people we'd defrauded. And then later, anonymously, I paid them all back with considerable interest. Why anonymously? Well, good heavens, man, don't you see? If what I'd done would have become known, don't you see what it would do to this stock brokerage business of mine? It would ruin me. Well, far more important, though, it would needlessly hurt my wife, my family. It kind of looks as though he has you over a barrel, doesn't it? This man, Wolf, has nothing to lose, and you have plenty, and he knows... What can I do, Mr. Dollar? What can you do? You know something, Mr. Morgan? Yes? That's a good question. Johnny Dollar's adventures take him to many out-of-the-way places around the world. CBS News takes you to every corner of the globe, where trained reporters are constantly on the alert to bring you accurate accounts of what happens the very minute it happens. You can always count on CBS News to be first and most accurate with the news. Hear expanded CBS News on CBS Radio every hour on the hour every weekday. It's your clue to what's new everywhere. We'd also like to remind you that today begins National Hospital Week. 
During the year, one of every eight Americans receives some type of hospital care. In addition, your community hospital stands ever ready to serve you in case of a disaster or an epidemic. It is the training center for doctors, nurses, and medical research scientists. Your community hospital needs and deserves your support. You can give that support not only financially, but also by serving as a hospital volunteer and by encouraging the young people in your community to enter health careers. Remember, your hospital is a community partnership. Morgan convinced me that he was telling the truth. That his ex-pal, Henry Wolfe, had engineered the stock swindle some 25 years before. That he himself had made complete restitution. And then some, for his part in the affair. But how to locate this Henry B. Wolfe? The only helpful information on that letter was a Philadelphia postmark. And Philadelphia is a pretty big town. But he said that he would telephone me, Mr. Dollar. Yeah, I know. And tell you where and when to hand over the 10000 Now, have you done that? Done what he told you to? Drawn the amount from the bank? Oh, what else could I do? If I set the police on his trail, if he's arrested and jailed, his friend will release the sealed envelope to the press and I'll be ruined. And if I myself try to, to stop him in any way, I, I mean, when I deliver the money to him, the same thing will happen. Stop him? You mean by putting a bullet through him, something like that? Believe me, if it weren't for my family, Mr. Doc. Oh, no, 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 I don't mean that. I just couldn't do a thing like that. But what can I do? Just pay him off is what it looks like, doesn't it? Ten thousand dollars? That's right. And when he runs out, another ten thousand, and another, and another. <sighs> He'll have the same hold on you in a year, in ten years, that he has right now. Then you must do something to stop him now. And you must do it now. Okay? How's about letting your secretary go out and pick me up a handful of magazines? Magazines, Mr. Dollar? What for? Well, Wolf said that he'd call you here at the office, didn't he? Yes, he did. So right here is where I'm staying. But, Mr. Dollar, I... Any better ideas? Until we find out where and when and how he wants that money? I see. And when we do? That depends. Now, how about her getting me a stack of reading matter, hmm? In the three days that followed, I plowed through four mystery magazines, three paperback novels, a lot of back copies of the Wall Street Journal, and all the daily newspapers available, including the funny papers. When Morgan went out to lunch, I went to lunch. When he went home at night to his beautiful place in Upper Montclair, I went along with him. He introduced me to his wife as an old college chum spending a few days in town. But I think Mrs. Morgan kind of wondered why more of our small talk wasn't about the old school tie. She was a lovely woman. I could well understand why Morgan would never want to hurt her. She showed me pictures of the boys. They were good-looking kids, too. Both going to Princeton, both doing very well. But then, the afternoon of the third day, there in the office, came the phone call that we'd been waiting for. At a sign from Mr. Morgan, I carefully picked up the extension phone. Hello? Hello? I'm still on, Henry. Oh, I uh, heard a clicking noise. Thought you'd hung up. And, uh, listen, Thomas, there's no way you can trace this call. I'm using a dial phone. I'm sure you're prepared for anything, Henry. Exactly. In other words, Thomas, you have no choice but to, uh, shall we say, lend me the money that I need. I know. I know. I'm glad you do. 
You see, any attempt to call in the police or do me bodily harm can only result in the full story of our... <laughs> of uh, your transgressions being released to the newspapers. Yes, yes, you've made that very clear. But now listen. Well? If I do give you this money... But of course you will. You know very well, Thomas, that you can't afford not to. But what guarantee can I have that you won't be back for more? tonight with the money. And if I were you, that's just exactly what I would do. But good heavens, Mr. Dollar. Your pal Wolf is a real clever fellow. It looks from here as though any interference in this plan of his from anybody can only end up in disaster for you. Well, doesn't it? Yes, yes, of course it does. But you, well, I thought that somehow you could help me. Just take my advice and be there in Monroe Park tonight and hand over that money to him. So long, Mr. Morgan. No, no, please, please, Mr. Dollar. See you sometime. Expense account item two, a dime for a telephone call. And then item three, 1170, for some early cocktails and dinner at the tavern. With an old friend of mine, Judge Amos Ordway, retired. The judge had been around for a long time and has a good memory. Yes, Johnny, I recall that investment swindle very well. I was a lawyer then, and some of the people seeking their money back from those two swindlers were clients of mine. Uh, you mean from Henry Wolfe and Mr. Thomas? Mm, uh... Thomas? Oh, no, no, no. It was Wolfe and a fellow by the name of Danny Fairland. At least, that's what he called himself. Would there still be a case against this Danny Fairland? even if he were calling himself something else now. Well, when the people got their money back, and then some, and withdrew their charges... Well, nonetheless, Judge... Just remember this, Johnny. Laws governing the handling of securities weren't what they are today. Possibly, I say possibly, at that time, that operation could have been construed as being within the law. Uh, barely. But, even more important... Suppose the less guilty of the two, perhaps the one who called himself Danny Fairland, suppose that ever since then he has lived a wholly exemplary life, more than merely made up for his youthful indiscretion. I see. Yes. In other words, you know full well the name of the man who used to call himself Danny Fairland. Now, what are you talking about, Johnny? How could I possibly know anything about him now? I see. Well, thanks. 
Incidentally, though. Yes, sir. If you should happen to need the services of a good, completely dependable stockbroker here in town, um, may I recommend a man by the name of Thomas R. Morgan? It was after dark by now, but I still had plenty of time. Item four, a dollar even for a cab to the southern edge of Monroe Park. Trying to bribe a certain key from one of the guards about to go off duty would work. So I did the only thing I could think of at the moment and helped myself to it after roughing him up a little, but then tucking a sawbuck into one of his pockets. As a result, the appointed meeting place, a little tool shed there in the dark, tree-covered corner of the park, held not only me, but the guard. He lay quietly among the rakes and shovels, securely bound and gagged. And the time passed slowly. Nine o'clock, ten o'clock. It began to get chilly, uncomfortable, and I began to feel a bit uneasy. Finally, as a distant clock boomed out eleven, I heard footsteps outside the shack. Footsteps of only one, however, pacing slowly back and forth. I hoped it was Thomas Morgan. But what if Wolf played it smart and didn't show? Gently, gently as possible, I opened the door a bit, just a crack. And then I froze because I heard the steps of another man. Hello. Good evening, Thomas. Henry. I didn't think you were coming. You said 11 o'clock. What's that? That noise. What? Promise. Nothing. Nothing. You're late. You didn't think I'd meet you in a place like this without first making certain you hadn't been foolish and tried to bring someone along with you? I wish to heaven I had been able to. In which case, the friend I told you about would release the information in the sealed envelope to the papers. And in 24 hours, you'd be ruined. <laughs> oh, Thomas. Don't ever make that mistake. You mean if you should do this to me again? Exactly. <laughs> and I probably will. But there's nothing you can do about it, ever. Now, the money, please. Very well, Henry. Here you are. Splendid. Thank you. And now, Thomas. Oh, you aren't going to count it? Why should I? You know, I trust you implicitly. Even as you can trust me. You. Uh, now, leave by the south gate and go home. I'll just wait here to be sure that you do. Good night, Thomas. Oh, not bad for an evening's work. Not bad is right, buddy. That is for me. I'll take that dough from you. Come on, come on. Thanks. Who are you? Blackmail racket, huh? What are you talking about? What I heard from inside the shack. Put down that gun now and listen to me. Ah, you listen to me, buddy. You got that poor guy on a string, so maybe I can take him too, huh? You? Sure. Who are you? Somebody's holding some dough. Later, he came into the office and roused me out of his squeaky chair. Hello, Jordan. I... Jordan, mm -hmm. please, use the other chair. I do not like you looking through the papers on my desk. <laughs> I didn't find much, Sam. Just your weekly quota for traffic tickets. Your Occidental brand of humor has always failed to impress me. Sorry? Well, Jordan, as they have confessed all, I understand from my conversations with Craven and Mrs. Hennessy that this is approximately what occurred. 
After Hennessy arrived in Cairo from the interior of Africa, he sent a telegram to his wife in New York advising her of the fact that he was not dead and was returning within the seven-year period. She must have got a big kick out of that. She did not know whether or not it was a hoax, so she dispatched her lawyer, Gerald Craven, to Cairo to find out. He found out it was no hoax, called her and etc., etc. Her long conversation with you, of course, was not to determine the identity of the dead man which she already knew, but to determine whether or not you knew his identity. And when I said I might find out, Craven took his bullets after me. Precisely. Mm. Well, coffee, Jordan? No, no thanks, Sam. I've uh, get back to the tambourine. Tambourine? What is the hurry? <laughs> I want to cross gin and tonic off my menu. the finest in tomato flavor, enjoy the whole family of Del Monte tomato products. Del Monte ketchup and chili sauce, Del Monte tomato sauce and canned tomatoes, and Del Monte tomato juice. Remember, buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Rocky Jordan, written by Larry Roman and Gomer Cool, stars Jack Moyles in the title role with Jay Novello as Sam Sabaya, and is produced and directed by Cliff Howell with original music composed and conducted by Richard Arant. Remember, you have a date next week at the Cafe Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. Same time, same station. And the story is Quest for Tranina. Looking for a glamorous dessert that's easy to prepare? Then serve Del Monte Fruit Cocktail. It's ready diced. Its five tasty fruits are mixed and carefully balanced for a sparkling flavor treat. Best fruit cocktail you ever tasted. Del Monte, the brand that always puts flavor first. Larry Thor speaking. Rocky Jordan is presented over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. <laughs> <laughs>